step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, taking care of us behind the glass. As always, we appreciate it, good sir. So the Nashville Predators, they are the Nashville Predators. They're, they're they con- still are. It's a confusing time right now because with the youth in there, they're they're playing pretty well. You can tell they're playing with a little bit of chip on their shoulder. They're playing with a new type of energy, Pecorine who said he's too old for this and then laughed playing so many games that apparently Yusuf Saros will be healthy very shortly and playing one of these two games against Florida as well. So lots of changes going on, Glenn, and it's weird to have for them to have two days off with the way the season's going. Two days off is extremely weird right now just as someone watching these games, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. This condensed season, you don't really you don't really expect that. But, I mean, I, we're finally seeing what – all of us have been wanting to see, we're starting to see those changes. Like you just said, I mean, it's an exciting time. It truly is because I think that we're all past the point of thinking that the season is going to go anywhere. Um, And so we're not really focused on, you know, they have to win this game. We're not, nobody's really doing that anymore. I think that we're all just watching the youths on this team make a really, really good case for themselves and showing where they need to be, where they, where they fit in, where they belong on this team. Um, and naturally, you know, we're seeing some growing pains, but, you know, Jakob Trennan, we're seeing him solidify on the, <laughs> on the fourth line where I could also see him going up maybe to the third line, but we're seeing Carrier getting his first NHL goal, which was off of a Trennan assist. So mm-hmm. we're seeing, you know, we're seeing Ellie Tolvin and I mean, he's beaming, he is beaming. <laughs> he is more than solidified himself for getting those top six minutes. I mean, he is the third top goal scorer on this team. Right. Right. He's got six goals and four of those six were on the power play. And what has everybody been saying for so long? Like, what can the Preds do about the power play? Well, (laughs) Lee Tolvanen, he's also getting balls thrown at his head during pressers, which let's be (laughs) honest with all the injuries this team is facing right now. Just be careful with the kid. Okay. (laughs) Be careful with him. And the thing is, it was during my question. <laughs> it was during my question. That's, that's and, why I have to bring it up. And and we're all thinking that's Ryan Johansson. Apparently, I was told it wasn't Ryan Johansson because of all the players yeah, in this team, that. that the one that would stand out to me, that'd be Joey would be the one. But it wasn't. And a lot of people thought that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even the Preds official account thought it'd be Joey. So I, don't, I don't know. know. We don't know. Right now, we don't know. But it shows that he fits right in. They're messing with him during his post game interviews. He got, got a kick out of it. Got a kick out of it. But yeah, like, like you said, you're, you're right on the money, Glenn. And that right now, I think more fans are accepting it, even though the team hasn't necessarily made the moves to make it happen. But they just want to see the prospects doing well. They want to see Forsberg continue to do well. They want to see what the future looks like. And the future looks bright. I mean, these, these young guns are getting so much experience now that chemistry is developing. And we're seeing that. I mean, Trennan's no-look pass, the drop pass to Carrier, Carry to get his first NHL goal. 
that's beautiful. I mean, if you want your first NHL goal, especially as a defenseman, to for it to be on the rush and taking a no look pass, that's impressive. It's not like it was a weird bounce or a deflection or a fluke or anything like that. It was direct snipe city for Alex Carrier off of a drop pass. Yeah, and beautiful this is not right coming there. from a veteran player. No. Which- yeah. Yeah. And then Frederick Allard getting his debut as well. Finally, mm-hmm. I was about to have a conniption if he did not get his debut after being called ah. up like that. <laughs> uh, and so we're, we're seeing some of these guys get looks. Jeremy Davies looks like he belongs as well. They're all making mistakes too, which is totally fine and acceptable. But they're making mistakes at the NHL level, which mm-hmm. means they're going to learn from those mistakes and get better. And that's what you want to see. I mean, Jeremy Davies looks like he could absolutely run a power play. I mean, he's used to that. He's coming. He's older, so he's he's coming out of college after playing junior, so he's a little bit older and older and wiser as well with what he's learned, just like what, what we see so many college hockey players do as well, that they might be a little bit older. And we're actually going to talk with Chris Peters of Hockey Sense in the next segment to talk about all these college hockey prospects that the Predators have in their system right now, which there are a lot of them, which makes me really excited too to talk about that. But we're seeing the training that all these kids have been waiting to utilize and they're coming up and utilizing them. Ellie Tolvin and the patience is paying off. I mean, I want to see Rem Pitlick more out there. I want to see, continue to see these guys. And so that's why I asked head coach John Hines after the previous game, after the win against Tampa, because the youth's looking really good and they're pushing everyone else to be better right now. Is that what are you going to do when the rest of the team's healthy? Because it's a legit question. I mean, what do you do? I mean, these players still want to win. They are not mathematically eliminated. They have not been told they cannot make the playoffs. Their goal is to still make the playoffs. Fans, and I think media aside, have kind of come obviously accepted that playoffs are not really an option right now. It's about getting better in other ways and getting experience. But the players, they're, they're pro athletes. They're not going to just accept this right now. So they're getting pushed. And what's going to happen? Well, John Hines said that the players that are playing the right way are going to play the game. And so I want to hold him to that. Because what he's saying is that if the youth and the young players are playing the game correctly, then they will stay in. They've earned their spots. I'm not talking about a player staying in aside from Ellis and Yossi. Those guys will come right back in when they're healthy and ready to go. But like Brad Richardson right now, he's obviously very tradable. Uh, Eric Howla, I think a young kid deserves to be in there over him. There's even other guys that probably are battling for roster spots right now with them. And that's, that's the key, that I hope that's what happens that they continue to play these young guys, get them experience, not just sit in the taxi squad or then get sent back down. I mean, we're, yeah. going, we're going Tanner Janot had his debut. Phil Tomasino is still waiting. I think it's going to happen. I still think it, it's going to happen sometime this season, uh, potentially for him to, to make that debut. But that's what I want to see happen is these young kids to continue to gain all this experience and make those mistakes, make their welcome to the NHL moments happen so they can continue to get better because they continue to learn now. In three years, they're going to be legit pros and veterans when you're actually getting ready to reopen your window. Yeah. And I think that's where I know for you and I on this show, um, and I think for a lot of people, that's where a lot of the frustration came from when we started to see this team kind of come apart at the seams and nothing was working. It was just more of like, okay, that that's fine, but just put the youth out there, give them that opportunity to play in the NHL, give them that opportunity to mess up so that they can finish out this season and start next season with a lot of NHL experience playing with grown men starting into next season, like give them that. So at the very least, I'm okay with watching this play out the way it does because we are finally getting that. If they don't make the playoffs, if they don't win every game, at least 
they are out there getting their experience and this building of this new Nashville team is coming and, and we're starting to see that. So at least we've got that. Absolutely. And that's what makes me excited just about the potential there too, of letting the youth play out because then you have other guys that are going to be leaving college, like David Ferentz, for instance, who top 10 Hobie Baker finalist. So that's mm-hmm. two times he's made top 10 Hobie Baker finalists now in his college career. And he'll be finishing that up and joining the Predators organization. Most likely don't give me that recency bias with VZ <laughs> people, even though VZ hit waivers and was claimed by Vancouver. So that was also an interesting thing there. Remember, remember five years ago, Glenn, when we remember went to Boston, <laughs> when we went to go and talk to Jimmy VZ and see him play at Harvard. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. It feels like, uh, but, but that's, that's what people are not concerned about, but I, I still don't think it's going to happen because if you're going to rebuild, that obviously leaves a lot of room open for a guy like David Ferentz to come right in and make a difference. Whether it's like, Hey, we really want you to play a few games in the AHL first. And then, you know, you're a first call up or look, we can guarantee you a spot on this roster coming into the next season because we're going to make some changes, which I think is what should happen. Throw him in, mm-hmm. toss him in. He's, he's old now. I mean, he's playing through all four years of college. He's older and experienced, unlike a lot of the junior players that are coming out that are a little bit younger. He is old and experienced, and I think he can come right in. And it's not like to say that he should play all 82 games, but he should play 60 games and see what happens and f- toss him out there. And I think the, the Dante Fabro connection helps a little bit too. That'll, yeah. that'll definitely help. But that's, that's what I want to see is the youth movement continue to move forward. And the thing is, they'll lose some games. They'll lose plenty of games that way. But it's not tanking. It's giving your youth an opportunity to, to play. And by doing so, yeah, you'll lose games. And then you'll get a decent draft pick as well. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it's about. It's not about tanking because you want your youth to go out there and be competitive and to learn. But you will just by default of skill overall and experience you're going to lose games and that will result in better draft picks and that makes me excited (laughs) yeah and when you're when you're in upper management you know a lot of us as we're watching the games live we're just thinking in that moment right but you know they're having to think long term and when you're thinking about already thinking about next season you don't want these any of these kids to not have the nhl experience Mm -hmm. so giving them that now is the only way to set up and rebuild your team. That's the only way. It's going to be very curious to see what happens over the next couple of weeks as we get ready to approach the trade deadline because that means mm-hmm. potentially more prospects being acquired or draft picks being acquired uh, and then obviously preparing for the draft that's going to happen in July, not getting delayed as we know right now, not getting delayed as some general managers kind of wanted it to to be able to evaluate more players, especially those that are missing out and playing uh, in Canadian major juniors. But that's where it's going to get very interesting. And I'm very excited for our next guest when we have him on and and talking about draft picks and the NHL draft and looking forward to what player in the 21 draft could be a good pick for the National Predators. I mean, it's okay to start talking about that and looking ahead, but also the expansion draft is going to happen too. So the Predators have to make the right decisions there too of, well, if we, if we bring this player in, we're, are we going to protect him? Or if we get rid of this player, that means we have to, you know, expose this one or protect this one. We didn't really want to protect him. I mean, so many questions and decisions have to be made. I'm glad I'm not a general manager was, having to make this decision. The talks of this always make my chest kind of tight because it's just so much to consider that it, I'm so glad it's not me. Yeah, I'm so glad I I don't have the pressure that I can just sit back and analyze and then be told I'm stupid or wrong. Or I agree with you 100%, Justin. Any one of those extremes, totally fine with that. But we do have a great rest of the show for you tonight, folks. Like I said, we have Chris Peters of Hockey Sense, formerly ESPN, be joining us next. And he is a 
fantastic expert on all things college hockey in the United States of America. He used to write for the United States of Hockey and a fantastic blog that he puts together. And he does a tremendous job covering college hockey. So we're going to talk Predators prospects up next. And after that, we'll have Tillman Horn of the Nashville Flyer 16U team. They're heading to the national tournament coming up in about a month and a half. That'll be coming up. And then we'll answer your questions that you submitted on Twitter in our last segment. So all that up next. But first, Chris Peters up next here on Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And let's shift gears. Let's talk college hockey. Plenty of college hockey to talk about. And hey, plenty of Predators prospects playing college hockey. Plenty of Predators prospects getting rewards and um, accolations. Um, Accolades. Accolades. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, In college hockey as well. Uh, Words are very hard. I found the leprechaun. Uh, And he, he gave me some whiskey. But we have joining us right now, friend of the show, love having him on, Chris Peters of Hockey Sense. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. It is so good to be with you, and and thanks for having me. It's uh, it's it's that time of year where thankfully this actually feels normal this time of year where there's <laughs> actual does. college hockey playoffs, and it's like it's at the right time, and they're all happening. So yeah, this is a good time to be on. I mean, it's not the Stanley Cup playoffs in September, October. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> what what is going on here so you speak of the, the normal then of it being at least a little bit of normal when when the time is happening but all the the shifting and adjusting and evolving that teams and college hockey players have had to do and obviously the talk of the draft that a lot of general managers wanted to shift the draft and everything to be able to evaluate players especially junior players but how have you seen this college hockey season progress I know it's been adjusted with teams having to have postponements cancellations and some not playing near as many games as others just kind of evaluating this college hockey season as we're in the playoff mode preparing for the tournament now what's that been like for you as an observer yeah, all things considered, I mean, it's it's been as close to normal as I could have expected in terms of the amount of games that actually did take place. Um, you know, it's a little bit less than normal for most teams. You know, a team like Boston University has only played 15 games this year. They've had excessive COVID protocol issues over the years. So that's that's been the case across the country. But by and large, you know, we're, we're at the stage now where all the teams are playing in their conference tournaments and and you know, most teams have had a pretty full season. You know, you're looking at most players have played, you know, somewhere around 20 games this year, which is seems to be like that'll be the norm for junior hockey as well, uh, where it's just, you know, it's a shortened season. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, we've seen most of the same, you know, same things that we expected, you know, good teams have been good. And, you know, there have been some teams that have certainly been surprising. Um, but overall, the college game looks strong. Uh, it, it's been uh, it, it's told us a lot about the players that are playing college hockey this year. And I think that we've, we've been able to have a very entertaining product on the ice as well. It hasn't been very sloppy. It's, it's been, it's been as good as we could have expected it to be. And Chris, since we last spoke, you have now gone back to independent media. You're now running mm-hmm. hockey Sense with Chris Peters, offering in-depth prospect analysis, international hockey, the draft college hockey, all the things that we've come to love from Chris Peters. So what I love about this is your approach in figuring out where you can continue to do your best work and tell the stories that you want to tell. So if you will, just kind of take us back to the start of that and what people can expect from Hockey Sense. Yeah, well, thanks so much for for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, so I was at ESPN for the last three years, and I was part of the big, you know, sweeping cuts that happened there um, in uh, November, and I was under contract till February. So um, after that ended up, I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And I had a couple other opportunities, but what I really wanted to do is is just kind of, 
you know, I'm, I'm obviously very passionate about college hockey and very passionate about the draft. You know, there weren't a lot of opportunities that were going to allow me to do like specifically what I wanted to do. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to do it myself. So I started a sub stack, which, you know, I've, I had a few friends that have done that and have had some success with it. And it just allows me to really basically work directly for the readers, which I think is really fun. And so it still has all the same things that I did at ESPN, like draft rankings, prospect rankings, farm system rankings. Those are the big furniture pieces that are regular, but I've been able to do more short form newsletters and different things. And most of them end up long because that's how I write. But, um, you know, but I, I give it an opportunity to take a, a look at all different elements. So like right now I'm working on a newsletter that's all about college hockey and all the things that I've watched over the last week. And, and it's got a lot of prospect heavy content because so many NHL prospects are playing college hockey. So those are the types of things that I did. And I just felt like if I really wanted to do the, the, the best work possible, I thought the best way to do it was to do a subscription-based site where the readers are essentially paying for it. And those are my bosses. And so instead of having one boss, I have several hundred now. So, uh, which is intimidating, but also very motivating and exciting. And jumping right into some in-depth prospect analysis, we spoke to Catherine Ellis last week um, of BU, ringside reporter, about David Ferentz, National Predators mm -hmm. prospect. And, you know, we kind of talked about briefly when he was doing an interview when he was at development camp back in Nashville, how he modeled his game after P.K. Subban. And we talked with Catherine about, you know, how sometimes you see players talk about modeling their game after a certain player as they continue to age. Um, but how cool it is to watch them develop into their own player while they're modeling their game after someone else. So just from what you see um, from this Hobie Baker top 10 uh, finalist right now, what's notable about David Ferentz's game? What stands out to you about his style, his play, and what that could potentially bring to the Predators in the future? Yeah, I think one of the things that's always stood out about David's game is his skating. And he's just such a fluid skater and, and really can get up and down the ice very quickly. He's got quick feet. Um, you know, he's very agile. Uh, you know, he does all the things that you need a, a defenseman to do, an offensive defenseman to do, where he, he can get up into the plays and he, he makes great reads. You know, I, I watch. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if BU ends up getting into the, the the conference or the NCAA tournament because they only did play 15 games, but they did win 10 of those. So gives them at least a chance. And, and I mean, really the only reason that I want them to keep going is because I'd love to see David Ferentz continue to play college hockey for a little bit longer because he has been that fun, um, you know, getting him losing an additional five games. He's only played 10 games this season. So I feel like we've kind of gotten cheated out of one of the best players in the country. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you know, when you, as, as a player builds experience in college hockey, I think that's really one of the separating factors in college hockey from say junior is that you're dealing with older, more experienced players. And, and once you get to that fourth year, you just know so many tricks of the trade and he just knows how to work the ice. He, he can get anywhere he needs to get to, he can get the puck anywhere he needs to get to it. And really nobody seems to be able to stop him. Um, so that's, that's really, and that, that all starts from the base of skating. And then it comes with the hockey sense, the vision, the skill, all those other things, but yeah, it, it starts with his feet. Can Chris Peters of hockey sense join us to talk college hockey predators, prospects playing college hockey and, and whatnot, uh, Chris looking at this, I mean, the focus obviously on predators prospects, but predators prospects are earning 
recognition in, in terms of what they're doing. And one of them is Ethan Hader, who won a rookie of the year in the ECAC. I mean, it's one of those things I've talked with Ethan a couple of times, especially when he was drafted. And I mean, just he's beaming from ear to ear when, whenever he gets interviewed and everything too. But rookie goaltenders like that, especially coming out of college hockey, what is the expectation level for, for a kid like that? And he's obviously he's proven himself to be recognized like that too. But what's, what's sort of look ahead for, for a kid like Ethan Hader? Yeah, well, I think that the, the great thing about goalies is that you, they have a lot of runway to develop. And when you see a player have success that early, it's pretty good. Because, you know, he didn't have a great season in the USHL last year, which is his first season in the USHL. He was a great North American League goalie. But that step up, you know, with for, with Sioux City last year, it didn't really work out that well. So he goes to Clarkson, which is a team that, that plays really strong team defense. They, you know, they have very good structure into their game. But he still comes in and he puts up, big numbers, you know, 921 save percentage in 16 games. And that's going from having a tough season last year. So I, th- I think the bounce back is important. The fact that he was so relied upon by Clarkson, which up until last week was on track to make the NCAA tournament this year, their season is over because of uh, it, basically Clarkson, the school canceled it for, for reasons that are rumored, um, but not, you know, I haven't been able to independently confirm, but they're not playing anymore. Uh, so unfortunate end there, but I think when you see a kid with that size, he's only 19 years old. Um, you know, he's got a long runway, so you just let him stay in college. He can play, you know, two, three, four years there maybe before you even need him, and, and you just let him continue to develop at his pace because he came. He, he was such a raw goalie that a lot of teams in his draft year were just like, "Who is this kid? Like, what? Where did he come from? How is he putting up these numbers?" And to see him continue on that progression, very good sign for his future. Yeah, and, and it's it's great because, I mean, in the years past, we haven't had as many prospects to talk about with the Predators because they traded away so many of them in the, in the draft <laughs> pick. So it's it's I'm looking forward to the potential rebuild that's going to happen because we're going to have more to even discuss with you and everything too. And it's the, it's the exciting part of a rebuild is the excitement of you don't know what's going to happen, but also being able to track a lot of these prospects, what they're doing in college. And they're, they're obviously the Predators are drafting a lot out of college hockey and they're spread all throughout um, the U.S. as well. I mean, from Penn State to Connecticut to North Dakota and everything but they're getting recognized too. Uh, one of the ones I wanted to come up with was Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. First of all, is that one of the <laughs> best names in college hockey? And also Northeastern, the David Pohl special, any player coming out of Northeastern like that, but a pretty good freshman year already, 15 points in, in 21 games. It means he's getting opportunities as well, but it shows like he's taking hold of that opportunity he's been given coming out of junior to play in college. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the best, it's one of the best names in hockey anywhere. So, um, you know, obviously I've been very familiar with him from his time in the USHL played for the, you know, the vaunted Chicago steel program. That's been, you know, really dominating the USHL for the last couple of years. And, you know, the, the things that, that I was looking forward to seeing was how he transitioned to college hockey when he's going up against bigger, stronger players, he's a small player. Um, and, and, you know, his skating isn't super high end for a small guy. You know, you think of the, you know, the Marty St. Louis and guys that have had to, to, to find a way it, it tends to come from speed, um, but he's strong. You know, he's not afraid. He gets into plays uh, playing at a place like Northeastern where they have developed some really impressive collegiate scores, you know, Tyler Madden last year. And before that, Adam Gaudet, who won the, the Hobie Baker and Dylan Sakur and all these guys that have had big numbers, you know, Gunnar Fontaine is kind of in that mold of, you know, good playmaker makes the guys around him better. Um, so to, you know, Northeastern didn't have a great season this year. They had a lot of injury issues and all kinds of other stuff happening. And, you know, it was the same thing where, you know, you just didn't have a ton of games to gauge him, but, you know, 15 points in 21 games for a guy that, 
you know, was, was a top scorer in the USHL when he makes that transition to college hockey, very positive and Northeastern has done such a phenomenal job with skill players over the last couple of years that I think he's in a good place developmentally. And, you know, he still has a long way to go, but he has plenty of runway to get there because he's playing college hockey and they don't need to sign him to a contract too soon. All right, running close on time. So we have two more questions I want to fit in because I really want to sure. get your opinion on this. Looking looking ahead to the, the 21 draft as well, there in the pre in the rankings that have been coming out, there's plenty of Michigan players that are near, <laughs> near the top, which is just, I mean, it makes people salivate too, just in seeing the quality of those players too as well. But in terms of Predators fans, it came this Nashville-centric as well. The Predators most likely going to be getting a pretty decent draft pick coming up uh, this season. Well, any of those college hockey players think would make a good fit in this Predators organization for the, what they're running right now that you think might fit in pretty well? I mean, I think if you could get any one of them, you're going to feel like you, you've hit the jackpot um, <laughs> because the three, the three guys that are you know currently at Michigan that are draft eligible, Owen Power, who could probably go one or two. Uh, same thing with, with Matty Beneers. I think he's a one or two kind of guy. And then Kent Johnson could slide a little bit in the draft or you know still be a top 10 pick. But, you know, with, with power, he's a number one defenseman, six foot five. I mean, smooth, everything does, does everything well. Maddie Beniers is kind of like a, a do everything center who, who can really impact the game in a variety of ways. And I think that he's the kind of guy that can really be a cornerstone for any franchise just because of how he plays. And he plays winning hockey as I, you know, I was talking to a scout last week and he's like, he, he plays, you know, he is, he is a May, June player, meaning like he's a guy <laughs> that's going to win you a Stanley cup. Um, and then Kent Johnson is an absolute wizard with the puck, a magician. You know, he, 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 he's a natural center. He's been playing wing this year. I think he's probably most likely a wing defensively, not, not strong enough to be a center in my personal opinion, but he is an absolute magician with the puck. One of the best playmakers in college hockey already. Um, and a guy that just makes defenders miss. So if you can get any one of those players, you've got a franchise building block and, 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 you know, particularly a team like Nashville, where they do have some of those top prospects, you know, guys, you're like, oh, we can get, you know, if we have Phil Tomasino and Kent Johnson. We're feeling <laughs> really good about life, you know, because those are going to be <laughs> high end players that will play in your top six eventually. So, yeah, they're 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 outstanding. That makes me salivate just to think about the draft. I'm excited <laughs> already. Before we let you go, I know we're, everything's not set yet, but do you have a favorite for winning the NCAA championship in the men's college hockey? I, I do. Yeah. I think that if anybody can keep up with North Dakota this year, um, I will be super surprised. I think they're a team on a mission. They basically got everybody to come back that was eligible to come back guys that, you know, Jordan Kawaguchi and Matt Kirstead would have been high profile free agents last year. They came back for a chance to win a national title. They have Jake Sanderson, who was the number five pick in the draft. And he's, you know, like their number two defenseman that, cause they have Jacob Bernard Docker, who's a junior. And also, you know, they have like half the Ottawa senators draft picks. And then you've got <laughs> Shane Pinto who might be the best center in college hockey this year. Again, an Ottawa senators draft pick, uh, but you know, he's in the running for the Hobie Baker. So, uh, and they have a good goaltender in Adam shield, who's a free agent. So they've got a lot of great pieces on that team. They all came back for a reason. I think when you're a team on a mission, like they are, it's going to be really difficult to get past that. I mean, especially in college hockey too, when you have that much talent, it's it's really difficult and to experience. Like, exactly. Yeah. They've yeah. been there. Well, Chris, as always, we truly appreciate all of your in-depth analysis and thank you so much uh, for joining us here and just getting everybody a little excited about the positive things to come for the National Predators organization. <laughs> plenty of that. Plenty of that. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to be with you today. Chris Peters, folks, used to be with ESPN and uh, world of hockey and everything he's done so much in terms of covering prospects and college hockey and everything the ushl but now with a hockey sense with chris peters you can follow him on twitter at chris m peters 
vast knowledge there of college hockey and prospects as you can tell just throwing things at him and he knows everything what's of what's going on so if you have questions and communicate with him he's very interactive on twitter too this is his bread and butter he lives and breathes and dies college hockey yeah very very solid resource for all of your questions absolutely so subscribe to that it's only six dollars a month if you love prospects you love college hockey he has great analysis there of evaluating this and hey the predators are probably going to be picking plenty of college hockey players or guys that are going into college to play hockey this upcoming draft in the next few drafts so you want to make sure you subscribe to that okay up next let's talk to Tillman Horn he's with the Nashville Flyer 16U team they're going to nationals coming up in Grand Rapids we'll talk with him up next on penalty box here to ESPN 1025 the game and welcome back to penalty box radio here on ESPN 1025 the game Justin Bradford Glenn Blackwell and let's talk junior hockey multiple teams from the Nashville Flyers organization going on to play in nationals. This is awesome just for hockey in the South and the growth of hockey here and having the young hockey players be able to go and represent the Nashville area to play against the other best in the country. We have Tillman Horn joining us now from the Nashville Flyers 16U team. Tillman, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. So this has got to be a pretty incredible feeling, especially let's go back to to last year when seasons abruptly got canceled for a lot of people and then unsure what seasons were going to be like this year. Just what's the season been like overall for you and making these changes, but also just being able to actually be able to play hockey? You know, it's been tough, not like normal years, just getting a bunch of tournaments and our whole league play being canceled for the season. And so, uh, but all in all, we're just thankful we get to play hockey for Nashville and we're just ready to play nationals this year. We're really looking forward to it. So take us through this a little bit too, because I know junior hockey, unless you're in it as a player or a parent or a close friend, not everyone understands just how this works. What's the journey like throughout the season, like normal times and even now times and how the journey was there. What kind of games you guys playing? Where, where all are you traveling to play these games? Just what's that typical schedule like for you during the season? Um, This year we've been to some pretty good locations. We played in um, Wisconsin for a tournament. We went to Tampa Bay, Florida, which was awesome. And then, and, you know, just trying to get some games around some scrimmages with teams from, you know, the South and just get some good competition from up North. But I mean, it's been awesome. And, and with all these games too, all these games are counting, right? Like every game you're playing is counting towards where you're ranking when you're playing different types of different tournaments and stuff like that. Is that how kind of how that operates? Yes, sir. They're trying to get every game that we can to um, to go into our rankings to help us like figure out who can get national stuff like that. And, and you guys are, are pretty darn competitive because I've seen you guys play a few times uh, just from uh, streaming games or just going out and watching you guys and you're playing other teams, maybe locally or whatnot. What is it like to be a part of a team that is representative of the Nashville area like this? Because mo- most of these kids are pretty local to the Nashville area and you've grown up together as well. So what's it like to be playing with guys that you've known for almost your whole hockey life? Man, it's awesome. It's so fun to get to play with these guys. You know, this season's been awesome. Just, you know, getting to play really good competition like normal. But I mean, even though with everything COVID happening, I mean, we're just thankful we get to play with our best friends playing the best sport ever. And so who's who's on your coaching staff and, and what have you learned from them throughout this season? Uh, we've got uh, Scotty Phillips. He's a great guy. He's great wisdom. He's an awesome coach. And then um, uh, Coach Cole, he's recent. He was one of Scotty's old um, players that he coached a while ago and he's awesome too and looking ahead um, as Justin mentioned going to nationals and Grand Rapids at the end of April um, for you personally what are you looking forward to most just about that experience that you get to have with your team yeah nationals has always been a great experience I played in it uh, two years ago when we went to um, 
what's it called? It's where Notre Dame is, where we played there. It's just an awesome experience getting to play teams from wherever, playing teams from you wouldn't even think you get to play in your <laughs> hockey career. But I mean, I'm, we're all so excited for nationals. The experience is going to be awesome. And when you look back at that time when you went two years ago, what what do you do to kind of mentally prepare yourself before going on an adventure like that? Oh, I mean, I think we just everybody in the locker room just gets dialed into a whole nother level just because of the just because of the environment. It's I mean, it's awesome. And so so your team, again, Tillman Horn joining us from the National Flyer 16U junior team. Uh, your team beat the junior preds in playdowns. Uh, yes. we, were, we were told to make sure we include that one right there because yeah. there's a lot of competitiveness between the two teams here, which is just awesome to see that Nashville's growing so much that we can have two junior hockey programs like that uh, competing here. But obviously there are probably plenty of other guys you knew on that team too, because it seems like with, with high school hockey and things like that, it's just everyone just kind of goes their separate ways to their different teams, but you know each other growing up. What was it like to beat some guys that you obviously know in the hockey world like that? I know it was fun just getting to just have some competition within some people, you know, it's always fun just with high school hockey, just competition between guys you've played hockey with forever. It's, it's awesome. Nothing like it. And for folks that don't know, Tillman also plays for the Brentwood high school hockey team, which is a tremendously successful hockey program here in, in high school hockey in Nashville. How has this balance as well between high school hockey and junior hockey helped you just grow as a hockey player by having that much hockey to play? Um, I would say with high school hockey, it's helped a bunch with leadership and just learning from seniors in the past and the seniors this year that were awesome. And, you know, it's helped a lot with leadership for that's translated to travel hockey. And yeah, it's helped me a lot throughout that. And so with, with these tournaments and everything too, you're facing competition from so many different states and states that when people see, like they might see Michigan or they may see other states, they were like, whoa, there's pretty good hockey talent in Michigan. And obviously teams from Nashville do pretty well. I mean, you qualify for nationals, you win in tournaments. When a team from Nashville gets kind of under-talked about a little bit because they're from the South, how does it make you feel when you're able to go and beat some of these teams from the quote-unquote more traditional areas? I mean, it's always fun to be the underdog for us because that's usually what Nashville and Tennessee as a whole is in the hockey world. And just having the chance to play against those big dogs up north, it's, it's always awesome. I, I can only imagine in terms of, do you ever get trash talked on the ice from some of those Northern teams by any oh, chance? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they'll give us like Southern slang and it, it, I mean, it's just hilarious, but you know, we'll get some Northern slang back. So it's funny. <laughs> so is there anything safe for radio that, that has been, that you've been able to clap back? Um, I, I don't know. Mostly just like speaking Canadian, like saying <laughs> A after everything, you know, just stuff like that. Nothing too bad. <laughs> okay. Just getting very stereotypical is what, is yeah. what we're talking about here. Okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So a life on the road too. I mean, sometimes there's air travel. Sometimes there's time on the road. Is it typically like you and your parents, you guys taking a bus, you just with teammates in a big van all the time too. And what do you enjoy about that? Oh, oh it's awesome. Just having... Uh, so usually we just go with our parents, just going to, up to the the location we're heading to, and just we usually just hang out with all the other families on the team. And I mean, I mean, it's just awesome just getting to be with your teammates, just wherever you can play hockey, especially this time. No, no, that makes absolute sense. Well, what we always t tend to do, especially when we when we have uh, players from juniors and, and high school and things like that, is we want to get to know them a little bit more. And so Glenn typically has some lightning on questions. So she'll ask a few questions right now, and then I probably will chime in with a few as well. So we're going to turn it over to Glenn because we're going to get to know you really well here, Tillman. All right, sounds good. All right, Tillman, your first sporting event that you remember going to as a child? Uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball game. 
All right. All right. Ryan Porth pro- will really like that one. He's the program <laughs> right. director for 1025. Definitely. <laughs> um, your favorite hobby outside of playing hockey? Um, right now, probably fishing. I've been fishing a lot recently with some of my buddies. So, yeah. All right. Got to ask then, are you fishing for like sport for just hobby sake or anything like that? Oh, just hobby. Yeah. Just going to like small pounds, uh, small ponds, like around, uh, cool. just around the area. I nice love and chill. That. Yeah, nice so I was about to say, hockey is so fast-paced and fishing is the complete opposite. Nice, yeah. nice to have a peaceful hobby. Um, all right, your favorite sports movie? Uh, I feel like I should say Miracle, but I really like The Blind Side. That's what oh, I was okay. okay. That's a good no, one. that's great. Never feel pressure to have to say something, man. Yeah. <laughs> but The Miracle right. is awesome. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, did you binge anything during quarantine? during quarantine uh yes all american um outer banks and right now i'm watching last chance you for basketball it's awesome okay. all right yeah. all right yeah outer banks and all american are pretty popular choices so far yes, <laughs> yep. and your favorite sports team growing up i would probably say the preds just watch them a lot on TV and it was just awesome. Just especially the 2017 run. Oh yeah. And, oh, it, yeah. It's always been fun to be a fan, especially, I mean, not really, not right, right now, but. It's <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> we understand yeah. that. We understand that. And Are, um, uh, your best sports memory. Um, Honestly, probably winning state sophomore year. That was awesome. And um, also I used to play baseball before I played hockey up through like sophomore of high school and um okay. honestly getting my first hit as a youngin on the baseball field it was that was awesome oh, i love it <laughs> very <laughs> and, nice yeah. and lastly from me justin might have some more but an arena that you would love to play in one day uh it would be awesome to get to play like outdoors as in like a like a winter classic stadium because yeah. i went to the winter classic game between the Preds and the Stars, and that was awesome. So, like, Cotton Bowl Stadium, oh, yeah. that would be awesome. Oh, man. So, I, I got to recommend this then, especially, I think, I think they have, it's, you have to be 18 plus to do it, but highly recommend doing those pond hockey tournaments up north in the winter. Yes. I have a buddy who's, um, uh, dad goes to those all, like, every year. And he oh, says yeah. I think we take a group, typically, with my beer league team. We go to Lake Nokomis up in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And it's awesome. Dude. They have former NHLers playing in it too. Not against me. I'm not good enough for right. that. Uh, but it is a fantastic experience. Can't recommend that enough. Get your buddies together. Go create a team and go kill it up there. They love it when people are from Tennessee in those tournaments. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. now for you, is there any player or players that you kind of modeled your game after when you were growing up? Not really, to be honest. I kind of just play my own game. I All mean, right. obviously watching players like right now, like Nathan McKinnon, he's oh, yeah. like, out of this yeah. world. So he's... <laughs> I kind of look at some of his game, but other than that, not really. All right. And we know in the locker room, music is a big deal, especially pregame to get guys the blood flowing and get pumped up. Is there a typical song that you typically love to get to listen to to pump up? Or is it just anything random? Or is there anything that stands out to you right now to get you going? Um, an essential song for the Flyers is definitely Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. All right. It's like an absolute necessity before we play games. Just gets the boys fired up. That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, we wish you all the best at Nationals. We appreciate you joining us, Tillman, and it's going to be a fun trip and can't wait to see what you guys come back with and to hear about the journey then. So best of luck, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. All right, folks. Tillman Horn, Nashville 
Flyers 16U program. They're heading to Nationals. Big, big opportunity there to go and represent the city of Nashville, the state of Tennessee in hockey at Nationals coming up next month. So really glad to have him on there. Glenn, that's it's cool. I mean, to see the growth of, of junior hockey and how we have these teams from Nashville going on and compete at the best of the best. I know. It's super exciting. It's exciting for them. They get to experience it. It's exciting for Nashvilleans, Tennesseans to get to witness it. Um, and it's just so cool to, at that age, get to experience something yeah. like that. Because 50 years down the road, they're going to have so many cool stories to tell their children, their grandchildren. <laughs> so it's when you think about it like that, I mean, in the moment, you know, they're, some of them are probably nervous. They're thinking, oh, right. my gosh, we have to perform. And, and they do. But then further down in life, it's like, no matter what the results of those games are, it's just a very, very, very cool experience. So I'm really looking forward to following along. The experience and the growth. And like you said, the leadership as well and growing as leaders, not just on the ice, but off the ice too. So it's really cool to see what these junior programs are doing for these, these young men and women here in the Nashville area. Okay, up next, we have plenty of questions that have been submitted around trade rumors, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, everything of like that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, The Game. Hope you enjoyed those last two segments talking Nashville Predators prospects, the NHL draft, and then the youth in Nashville being represented big time. 16U Nashville Flyers going to play in Nationals. I know the 18U as well. We're going to have representative of the 18U team come up in a couple of weeks to talk about their season. So plenty of junior teams heading to Nationals, which is extremely exciting to be representing the state of Tennessee and Nashville to go play some of the best of the best in the country. Okay, Glenn, let's get to our questions. We had plenty submitted. This one first is from Steven. What would you consider a healthy rebuild as far as assets picks needed and what would Preds need to trade off to get there? Matias at home. <laughs> That's <laughs> so so quaintly just said that Matthias Ekholm. <laughs> well, I I read the last line with this need to trade to get there. I think that's a very big start, right? It is. It is. And and the reason why is because the potential return of Matthias Ekholm right now is looking similar to the Jake Muzzin deal, where you're getting a first and a, t- a good top prospect and another prospect. That is very fair, and you have to pull that trigger now, like before the trade deadline. You cannot wait to the offseason because his value will decrease in the offseason. Teams need that extra third of a season to make a Stanley Cup run plus the other year on Matias Eichholm's contract. So getting a return of even if it's a first-round pick and a top prospect, I'm fine with that. But if the return's right and you add another prospect, like a mid-level, a low- to mid-level prospect, even better or if you make it another pick or something like that i would really love it to be conditional but highly unlikely that's going to happen so i don't think david pole does much with conditional picks uh in yeah. drafts but tisa comes to start getting rid of the one-year contract guys and letting your youth play now and getting those for picks and to, for me just get picks bunch of picks that's all you need I, I would love it if the predators had like 12 picks in this draft mm-hmm. but i'd like it even more if the Predators had like 12 picks in next year's draft, what's going to be even stronger next year's draft, the Predators could get over 10 picks with all Mm -hmm. these trades and everything would be fantastic for the system, for their farming system, for everything of just rebuilding here, because uh, out of that many picks, a couple of them are going to really pan out and that's what you're hoping for. So all yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that actually touches on what Steven asked about the healthy rebuild. Yes. As you, because you know, 
that in that draft, you're going to be getting a solid, solid group of people. So solid group of people. And what you're doing too, is you having the youth play right now and proving that they can play similar mm-hmm. to like a Detroit situation. You have a bunch of young guys in there playing too, getting experience, but that's what you want to do. For, that's a healthy rebuild right there is having youth play right now, not trading everybody away and just calling everybody up. No, they've been called up. They're showing they belong in the NHL right now, showing that they can play and you fill it in with a couple of a veteran here or there for mentorship and everything, but knowing that their role is not to be in the top six, their role is to be in the bottom to help mentor the young guys, but you throw the top guys out there and see what they can do. So a healthy rebuild is starting with there. Then you got to get rid of one of Johansson or Duchesne. That $8 million cap right there, got to go. Then I would say also on the market could be a Ryan Ellis, could be potentially on the market. You could have a Victor Arvidsson out there. There's been talks about him as well, maybe in the offseason more. I think Ekholm's the big piece, obviously, before the trade deadline. Everything else is more offseason type of move. Uh, and then you got to think, too, what's going to happen with the expansion draft, whether that's how they get rid of one of the $8 million contracts. I think just in terms of term, the Johansson one's a little more likely to be moved somewhere just because of that, whether saying, hey, Seattle, please take him in expansion draft. We're going to trade you this and this and this to take Johansson off our hands or something like that. And what I'm advocating for trades, it's not that I don't like players. It's trying to see what return is going to be to set this team up like Steven asking this question for a healthy type of rebuild. And you need a little bit more money and need more space for prospects to be able to play because there's plenty in the system they're going to be making their way up so all that right there and adding more prospects and picks and maybe a top prospect here or there from a team that is looking to make a stanley cup run right now that's that's what i want to see is a healthy rebuild okay this one comes from sleepy ron why is the deep listed on all the flaps of the boys pops if you don't watch the boys on Amazon, then I highly recommend it. If you're into superheroes, is the anti-superhero thing. But I cannot answer this question because it's extremely inappropriate for radio. <laughs> so let's go on to the next question. <laughs> what would it take from Golight? What would it take for the from the Islanders or anybody? Uh, but he's Isles focused uh, to pry Forsberg from the Preds. No, a lot. I, it's not I happening. Say I say nothing. It's not no, ha- no team is going to pay what David Poyle would want or what I would want David Poyle to want. No. for them to get rid of Forsberg. It's not happening. It's it, it it should not happen. I think this fan base can accept almost anyone. They could accept, I think, even Yossi for a certain return. But Forsberg right now with the season that he's having, they would not accept that. That, that is, no. They would not accept it, period. And then we would also have to question a lot if David Poyle did something like that that was yeah. not worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, it would, take, it would take a lot for me to even say it was worthwhile. I wouldn't think there's anything right now that's worthwhile, but yeah. it would take a lot of questioning on David Poyle's part of like, how did we get to this point? Because yeah, we've seen him make some, we've seen him make some moves before where we're kind of questioning afterwards, mm-hmm. but for the most part, he's usually very sound of mind and, and has a good plan. So yeah. Or it looks good on paper. Maybe it doesn't pan out afterwards, exactly. but at least yeah. it made sense at the time for the most part, there are obviously plenty of trades folks before you come at me with pitchforks and fire that there's trades that you kind of question them, but overall that at the time they like, Oh, okay. Well, I see what they're trying to do here, but then it just doesn't pan out. There've been some pretty bad ones after the fact, but Forsberg make this look like it makes sense. Multiple first (laughs) top prospect. I mean, multiple things is what it would take. And no team's going to pay that right now for, for for Forsberg. Okay. This one is from uh, Kent Peters. When considering Ekholm being traded, who amongst the Preds youth movement could replace him in the likely time frame? I mean, right now, in terms of the defensive prospects that the National Predators have, I, I like what I'm seeing out of so many of them. I'm not even going to really focus on handedness for a lot of these players, uh, but in terms of how we're seeing a bunch of them come up, 
like Jeremy Davies, like Alex Carrier, David Ference will be coming in as well. There's plenty of defensive prospects that are going to be able to fill that role. Now, the role of Ekholm being a 6'4 man of a dude <laughs> is going to be difficult to fill there too, and the intensity and the fire that he brings, that's difficult to fill. But in terms of just filling the position itself, that's more what I'm focused on right now because the Ekholms don't grow on trees. It's difficult to find those, and they just – those size guys that can actually move don't exist everywhere either, which makes which it a little bit. Which is why he offers so much value. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why he offers so much value uh, right there as well. But I think there's plenty of prospects in the system right now that can help fill that void and continue to help fill that void. And that's what that's what you what you want to look for is stuff like that. And then in the draft and you know look in the draft as well. But you're not going to try to find like a Matias Ekholm type of player. You're just trying to find guys that can fit into the system really well. And Matias Ekholm has tremendous value. He's been one of my favorites to watch. So we'll be sad if he does get traded and goes to see him go. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one is from <laughs> Peyton Turnage. Do you think Jack Eichel ends up with the New York Rangers? Whoo, Buffalo would hate that. Uh, <laughs> going to the ranges i mm, i can't imagine that i just i i, I can't imagine that I can't, Peyton, no. are you, you just like to um but, start the pot yeah but buffalo is just so bad fire the coach the fans are revolting the the ratings are taking a downturn people are they're not selling tickets that's tough have, to see it's tough to see but they have every right to there's yeah. no reason why an organization like buffalo should be this bad right now they, yep. With all the money they could potentially have there, the way they've been able to draft fairly high, it there, there's some sort of ineptitude that is coming out why Buffalo has not been able to be competitive when they should be. I mean, at least Edmonton right now finally has put things together where they're very competitive and they're utilizing McDavid and Drysaddle. Buffalo, with some of their picks, just hasn't panned out, and it's their own fault, and the fans are letting them know it. The fans there have tremendous power. Buffalo deserves to be a – they're a good sports town. They're a great sports town. They deserve to have yeah. championships there. They've had their opportunities. They haven't been able to succeed at it, and I feel sad for them, but they're they're proving what they are saying with their money, and it's definitely going to be felt by the Sabres organization to see what kind of changes we made. They made one, coaching change. Okay, this one could get a little sentimental potentially. This one comes from Jack Woods. If you could save time in a bottle, what's the first thing you'd like to do? Oh my gosh. What would you want to do? Like, Me? Wait, so do like go back into a certain time? Maybe I don't understand the question. Yes, if you could save, save time, in, time a bottle, in a bottle. Yeah, for, for me, it would be saving a hug from all four of my grandparents. Oh, that's sweet. That's, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to be just skip over that and be all hockey, hockey, hockey. That is the one thing I miss is being able to give my grandparents a hug and they're all gone. Yeah. So it's not like I can just go do it before anybody yeah. says anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's those the those the mo- that's the moment for me. Yeah. Okay. Now that I understand the question, <laughs> that's that's how I understood yeah, the question. I would, go, I would I would go back to a moment in my childhood. I'll just say that because I don't okay. want to sit there and cry on air. But I would go back to a, a time in my childhood um, for sure. That's such a poignant, deep question, Jack. I yeah. Love- watch him text me, and be like, "That's not at all what I meant." <laughs> I know. He's like, "No, man, this is supposed to be funny." <laughs> yeah well sorry sorry so glenn pretty much wraps up our questions right there but i'm just i'm curious for your take on this as well in terms of trades and things coming up as a predators fan for you when when things of this starts happening for you do you get excited when you hear trade rumor talks or do you get a little stressed out when you hear trade rumor talks or what's going through your mind looking at it from more of a fan perspective well 
I don't say that. I mean, I get excited to a certain degree because I think that change can be good, but I do get a little anxious and I tend, me personally now, I tend to kind of stay back when there's a ton of analysis. Obviously I look into stuff because I'm a little bit curious, but I don't, I don't, you know, take nose dives into what ifs because my brain just gets, and then my, I get a little bit too anxious. And then I start, I start, I think it's because I'm very empathetic and I mm-hmm. find myself subconsciously putting myself in Poyle's position and the board's position and thinking of all these. And then I get overwhelmed and I'm like, that's not my job. Calm down. Can't you just read the article? Um, but I do get from a personal perspective, I do get excited because I care about the future of this team and I do enjoy watching this team succeed. And so I, I get excited, but I stay away from stay away from all the nitty gritty details until something comes out. Then I'll think about it, analyze it, think, was this the best move? Then I put on my little GM thinking cap. But until then, because and that's because the possibilities aren't really endless, but there's a lot of possibilities. For sure. There's a lot of different people that people could come to the predators and say, hey, we need this person for the Stanley Cup run because Matias Ekholm's value is going to drop a little bit after the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Predators also have to think with all the injuries that have hap- been happening, if that doesn't really solve itself and that continues to happen, does that potentially delay a person like Matias at home? Because they might say in the moment, we we need him. So it's a lot. It's a lot it to try lot. to process because anything could happen. Well, let's see, you know, between now and the next time we talk, let's see if Glenn has to put on her little GM hat. (laughs) And if you missed anything, folks, especially those great interviews we had prior to with uh, Chris Peters and Tillman Horn, uh, you can go to penaltyboxradio.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe. We also have plenty of other great podcasts on there as well. Just talking about the National Predators, Fantasy Hockey, a little bit of everything uh, going on there, even behind the scenes of, of Nashville Predators and the music industry here in Nashville, starting that one out with Hockey Tonk backstage, as well as doing that with uh, Lucy Brady, who's one of the Predators energy team members and also works at the Ryman Auditorium. So with me, with the Skirmorn Symphony Center, the Nashville Symphony, with the Predators Media, it's a great behind-the-scenes look at Music City. So we're trying to do with that one. So make sure you check that out. Well, Glenn, thanks so much, as always, for your time and great questions tonight. And Producer Kenny, thanks for taking care of us behind the glass. For Glenn Blackwell, Producer Kenny, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.